Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik here. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Emerson Lazia holding it down in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler. Made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys, as always. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Check us out right here Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKings YouTube, DraftKingsNetwork.com, and Samsung TV+. Jason Cabinda from the Detroit Lions going to join us again in a little bit in the show. Durham Smythe. Miami Dolphins tight end going to explain to us how Mike McDaniel does all of this voodoo magic and scores 70 points in an NFL football game, dad. Uh, so maybe we can finally get some secrets of yeah. pride out of him. Boy, that would that would be nice. I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll try not to relive as he's a Notre Dame grad, the Notre Dame game yeah. against Ohio <laughs> State. But we do want to see what it's like on that sideline when you're just scoring and scoring and scoring. 70 points in a game. I, I've never seen anything like that. So that would be good to kind of go on the inside of that one. But we did have some ball last night. We had a couple of more games. I kind of like the Monday. I don't know if you like them now. When, when I called the second Monday night games years ago, it was a later start. The first game would start at 7, and then the game I did was usually out on the West Coast with the Raiders or the Broncos, or or and, and it started at 10 o'clock. I kind of like this hour in between because I love the last button on my controller. I can just flip back and forth. I know there are those that don't like it so much because it's two going on at the same time. I wonder where you stand on that. Uh, I'm into it now. I'm a YouTube TV user, so I can get the two pictures right next to each other and watch both games at once here. I don't know how to do that. 
Yeah, and it, you don't need to worry about that. Don't need to worry. It's not even it's not even a real thing in your life. Forget I nope. mentioned it. Instead, focus on the fact that we're gonna have a lot of takeaways from both of these games here. The Rams uh get dispatched by the Cincinnati Bengals who saved their season. The Philadelphia Eagles march to three and zero over the previously undefeated Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yeah. which is a wild sentiment. But that was not the most important takeaway for Monday Night Footballs. Monday Night Football's plural, walking into the studio this morning as my dad learned about a new band this morning. <laughs> Emerson came in with his most exciting takeaway from Monday Night Football. They decided for some reason in the bump back music to bring back Puddle of Mud in a way that absolutely <laughs> delight. Emerson, why was this such a big fascination for you? This is because it reminds me it was this pure nostalgic joy from the early 2000s. Puddle of Mud. Everything's so blurry and everyone's so fake and then the three of us ah. learn together but music there's but rock but rock like and that includes oh. bands like nickelback and buck cherry as well i've never heard of butt rock before what, what, what is there a definition of it is it defined anywhere so i'm glad you asked i went and found Hit a it. butt rock definition on uh I went to the source here and just went right to Urban Dictionary. Oh, Punk rock is a style of hard rock, heavy metal music that's watered down both musically and lyrically to garner maximum radio and mainstream acceptance. The lyrics are drawn on from a tough guy bro persona, um, yada, yada, yada. Butt rock bands typically consist of guys in their mid-30s with spiky hair, affliction shirts, yeah. and bad tattoos. So, yeah, all this kind of tracks with the bands that Emerson mentioned and did produce an era of music that was pretty popular with me, so apparently the target audience worked. Creed, Three Doors Down. Come on, man. The list just oh, goes man. on and on and on. I know you've Listen, heard of some oh, of these. When I'm gone by Three Doors Down, uh, a Emer Emerson, me. I'm stunned. I, I have never heard of these guys. I'm reading about them. To date, they have sold over 7 million, Adam, uh, 7 million <laughs> albums, and they've had a string of number one mainstream songs. I've, I've never heard of this band in my life. Now, when you were playing it, I thought there were hints of Creed and Nirvana. Uh -huh in yeah. it but i had never heard of and here's the next thing i'd like to know and maybe we're gonna have to do a little research and not do it on the spot just as we wondered where hootie and the blowfish were that title came from where does puddle of mud go? where do some of well, these band I mean, names come from puddle of mud's more weird because they use two like well, I don't know. yeah they use two d's two d's yeah, yeah that's the weird that's part what you gotta do you gotta be hip and cool Right. That's it's, hip and cool? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And also, like, Puddle of Mud's a little bit easier to explain away than Hootie and the Blowfish. Like, I don't really understand what the Hootie portion of that is. No. Puddle of Mud, you just walked outside. You might be walking to your gig. You step in a Puddle of Mud. You go, damn, that's a Puddle of Mud. Okay. Oh, wait, that kind of sounds jazzy. So now that, we're here we go. Hey, hey, that's what I want to know. How, how do you get that name? Do you all right, here we go. Walk I have it. I have it. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, all right, here. According to this article, the band name was inspired by practicing next to the Missouri River Levee, which always inundated the band's practice space, but never ruined their equipment since they were on the second floor. There you go. So they were practicing in a literal puddle of mud. Maybe that's what I, made them so angry, too. You know, they're like, we can't go downstairs. The floor is flooded out. It's good when you don't have to manufacture angst, right? It's like a coach <laughs> trying to get a team hype in the pregame. And sometimes you got to manufacture stuff. It sounded like their angst was very real. They were trying not to get dirty. No, they certainly weren't. But they have produced some bangers. And again, you Twitter search it. 
everybody from like our generation is just like, oh my God, this reminds me of the glory days being back in high school and eating all that fake meat in the cafeteria. That's awesome because I'm, you know, this many days old when I heard a puddle of mud. I'm making you a playlist after this show, Golik. I'm making you a playlist. A butt I, I, rock and playlist. I'm cool with that because I'm open to, you know, new music and such, man. I'm, I'm a 70s, 80s guy. It's really 70s rock, you know, that, that I listen to on uh, uh, on XM. But uh, I, I'm, I'm open to some new music. And like I said, it sounded like familiar type of music from that era. So uh, yeah. not completely foreign to me, but Puddle of Mud, hey, more power to you. Yeah, dude. Th- welcome. Welcome to butt rock culture, man. Butt rock. I was going to say, we have migrated from <laughs> yacht rock to hard rock to sob rock to now butt rock. This is the perfect start to the back. show, guys. Nice job. Butt rocking into your Tuesday here. <laughs> um, butt rock also could loosely be called what the Rams offense looked like in the red zone last <laughs> night. We'll get to that <laughs> nice. here shortly. But, Dad, the much easier one to digest here, maybe from butt rock to tush push as the Philadelphia Eagles bowl over the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game that sort of felt inevitable, Dad. And it still feels like through three weeks, we haven't seen the Eagles' best brand of football yet. But last night, squeaky wheel gets the grease. The offensive line goes out and continues to dominate. But A.J. Brown has a massive game, nine catches for 131 yards. He was targeted on 45.2% of his routes last night, his highest target rate in a game as an Eagle. So that sideline conversation morphed into some balls for him. I mean, just an an excellent game by really this defense. The offense is still – now, I know Jalen Hurts had a a stomach bug. He was 1-7 of in the red zone. He has been off a little bit there. But when you get A.J. Brown involved, but you know you have that running attack. They had 201 yards rushing against the defense. And I know it's early in the season in Tampa Bay. That was number two, I think number two or three against the run, have been giving up like 52 yards. They gave up over 200 to the Eagles. And that's still, no matter, and Jalen Hurts is a better passer than what we've seen, but this this offense still runs through the running game, which obviously includes Jalen Hurts and now what DeAndre Swift is doing and always that offensive line. So that's how they control the ball. Mike, this was an old lineman's dream, an old lineman's dream to get the ball back after Tampa Bay scores and it's 25 to 11. Yep. So Tampa Bay, and it's, there's still over nine minutes to go in the game. So there's still a chance to get the ball back, maybe once or twice, and get yourself back into this game. The Eagles ran the clock out. There was 9.22 left in the game. The Eagles ran the clock out. I can't tell you how much joy, Mike, you can. That brings to an old lineman. But I, what I can tell you is how much angst that brings you to a former defensive player like me to not be able to get the ball back in nine minutes for your offense to try and make a comeback. That is some excellent football. And and we haven't even started talking about the better side of the ball right now for the Eagles, and that's their defense. Yeah, uh, that nine-minute stretch reminded me a lot and doing it on the road of what Texas did against Alabama this year. Alabama punted with eight minutes left in the game after score or uh, kicked off after scoring with eight minutes left in the game, never got the ball back because Texas went out there and rammed it down their throats, much like this Eagles team did. And you're right, Dad. Early in the scene, tough sample size, right? You look at the teams that the yeah. uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat. It's the Bears and the Vikings. The Vikings who look like they're just going to not have a run play in the playbook the entire season and let Kirk Cousins gain every yard for them. But we still know the personnel over there, Levante, David, Vita Vea. There's a bunch of names that have pedigree and history in this league of being good in this facet. And it just doesn't matter right now. 
And I think that's why for the Eagles, and you heard their coaching staff and their players talk about it after the game, how everyone wants them to be a fully formed product right now. As we've seen and we'll talk about later, they lost a lot this offseason. They've been banged up in certain places. Their two former coordinators both look like they're doing pretty darn well to start their head coaching careers in Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen. So it's a lot of turnover for this team who also is going to have that target on their back. But the floor is so high when you can go out there and just mash along the line of scrimmage like that. And you had Miles Sanders, who departs this offseason. DeAndre Swift, who's always been an elite talent, looks like he has arrived in running back nirvana, if we're going to talk about nirvana. (laughs) But, Dad, um, the other side of this, you are absolutely right. Jalen Carter, according to Next Gen Stats, finished with a team-high five pressures on 16 pass rushes in the Eagles' win over the Bucs. That's a 31.3% pressure rate. Through the first three weeks, he is tied for second among defensive tackles in total pressures with 15. Dad, they just couldn't block him on the inside. Him, Jordan Davis, we highlighted that matchup going into this game, and it was every bit of the dominant performance you expected them to turn in. I mean, do we remember, does it seem like years ago when there was a the uh-oh moment, do you draft Jalen Carter, do you not draft Jalen Carter, the off-field issues at Georgia and what was going on? Was there character issues? So we thought he was going to go maybe in the top five in this draft. Uh, obviously, he falls and goes, you know, to the Eagles in this. And he has been. And listen, you can you can talk more about this again as a former center and guard who has played against some of the top players uh, who are in the league now when they were in college. Just this guy just makes a new line of scrimmage. He just goes forward and cannot be pushed back. So he's a yard or two deep. And, oh, by the way, he gets the pressures. He got half a sack. He and Fletcher Cox shared a sack. But also on a dump-off pass, and, and defenders work on this all the time. It's called a pursuit drill. You rush the passer as a D lineman, and when they throw the ball, you turn and you sprint, and you try and get an angle. Oh. And if you don't, you get nailed for it in film. I mean, it is a loaf. So it is worked on all the time till it's ingrained in your head. Rush the passer, ball's thrown, turn and sprint. Well, Jalen Carter did that, and so much so, and had a beautiful punch on a completed ball where the back was running down the field and knocked it out and created a fumble. So, I mean, this guy has been doing it all. His defense is incredible, and we knew it would start to happen because it's going to happen. Tampa Bay came into this game with no turnovers and left with two. The first interception by Baker Mayfield and that fumble forced by Jalen Carter that the Eagles recovered. So, that was going to start to happen. We knew it. And once once Tampa Bay got down the way they did, even though you have Mike Evans on that team, they're just not good enough to, to mount that kind of a comeback, being a few scores down to come back. Yep, exactly. So this one went the way that we expected. While they were able to make the score look a little bit closer late, this game was never really in question. It always belonged to the Philadelphia Eagles here. And so they're going to march on. And again, Jalen Hurts, I thought, had some moments in this game. There were a couple of drives where he stood in there, made some big-time throws down the field, took some hits in the pocket in doing so. You see all the signs there. I think it's why, and I use this term a lot, Philadelphia feels like a crockpot team. You're going to kind of get to set them and forget them because between personnel, coaching, and what we know they're capable of, I feel pretty confident that they're going to be playing meaningful football down the stretch of the season like we all expected them coming in as one of the handful of teams that we really trusted in the NFC. And for the Buccaneers, 
We're still kind of waiting, seeing, hey, after that 2-0 start, albeit against two of the other worst teams in the NFL, is this team going to outperform expectations or are they still going to be where maybe their fans secretly want them to be in the sweepstake for the number one overall pick? Let's move to the second game here, Emerson, and look at Joe Burrow and the Bengals went out and gritted one out last night. Well, real quick, Mike, you mentioned the score last night between the Eagles and the Bucks. By the way, that was the second score, Gami. In as many days in the oh. NFL. Dude, it happened on Sunday, 70 to 20, that Miami Denver game. And then last night, 25 to 11. So we're talking the 1077th and 1078th unique final scores in NFL history. Major takeaway there, Mike. Dad, have you, do you have any concept of what Scorigami is? I, I do not know you guys are speaking a different language. So between, you know, puddle of mud or, or mud in the puddle or stepping in a puddle and now, Scoring origami. What the what the hell is going on? What what what? Where is it? Where is this talk show stuff gone since I started this back in 1998 when I first got into this stuff? Help the nerds out. infiltrated. Yeah, these are yeah, unique yeah. scores. These are scores that have never happened. We have never seen before in the history of the NFL. Senior. So last so last night, Dad, that score that score in the game between the Eagles and the uh, Buccaneers <laughs> had never happened in the history of the NFL before. We had never had a game finish 25-11 in the history of the NFL, and so we now checked another score off the list of Scorigami. Oh, okay. I I didn't know. I I understand the significance yeah, of good. it. I did not know it was called Scorigami. Yeah. That's- that's a cute name, actually. Okay. It, All right. I've been educated. I learned something. There you go. And it, let me tell you something. It's extremely rare to have really maybe one in a season, but to have two right. in back-to-back days. We're talking history here, senior. And Jalen Hurts, <laughs> by the way, guys, 20-1 and one now in his last 21 yeah. regular season games. Was dealing with some flu symptoms last night. It was like his Michael Jordan flu game. Joe Burrow, yes, Junior, 1-0 now in his last game. He was far from his best (laughs) last night. That went against the Rams. Cincinnati taking a chance with him dealing with the ailing calf injury here. The gamble paid off. Really still wasn't himself. 26 of 49, 259 yards, no scores, one interception. Far from a vintage effort. Here is Smoking Joe after the game. I'd always rather throw for 400, (laughs) but... uh... You know, I, pr- I pride myself on my availability, um, and so I was happy to to be available for my guys tonight. Obviously, uh, a lot of room to improve, but um, I was happy happy to be out there. There is risk to to go out there and uh, potentially re-injure it, but there's also a risk to go out there and be 0-3. So um, I, I wanted to be out there for, for my guys, and you know, I was confident that I would be able to do what I needed to to, to get the win. It's going to be better this week than it was last week. Um, that's just comes with time and rest uh so we you know we got a short week so it's going to be a challenge but um i'm confident that we'll be able to put in the work to to be ready for sunday uh gojo encouraging sign of him kind of reconnecting with jamar chase 12 catches 141 yards they got the win but to me they didn't get right no, and listen, Joe Burrow still doesn't look right, too. We saw him grimacing a ton. He had the uh, hyper ice on it on the sideline and everything. Like, this is going to be something we have to continue to monitor for this team. But they did use Jamar Chase in a bunch of really creative ways in that offense. They put him in the backfield. They got him the ball all over the field. Football simple. Get your best players the ball in space, and good things tend to happen. Dad, this O-line still gave up some pressures, albeit against Aaron Donald, who you know has a long yeah. list of bodies that he's added to his resume. They got to mail the thank you card to the defense. We said yesterday, Lou Anarumo and company, 
we're going to have to step up. And a vintage uh, performance from Big Lou here, who sent a bunch of really creative pressures. You saw Dax Hill getting downhill. Trey Hendrickson had a monster game. This was a game totally defined by what the Bengals reminded us they're capable of on defense. Yeah, I mean, when you never, or, or at least I don't, I don't think a lot of people do because you see Burrow and Chase and Higgins and you think it's an offensive-led team. This team's been led by their defense until the offense can catch up. And I know we keep hearing about Burrow and his, and his calf and not practicing. Well, remember, he didn't practice the last couple of years either in the preseason and started out slow, and then they pick it up. What I still don't like, Mike, is the split. You know, it's a close game. This was never you had to get out of your game plan. 49 passes, 23 runs. I, I think that's just a wide margin split as your quarterback is trying to get, you know, healthy again. It would be nice to rely on the running attack a little more. Now, the running attack didn't go very well in the 23 runs. They averaged under three yards to carry. But you still, I think the attempts still help. Um, you know, it was good to see Chase get involved. He had 70 yards total coming to this game, 141 last night. Alone, but as you mentioned, the defense six sacks. Henderson with a with a couple sacks. Logan Wilson with two picks. Logan Wilson since 2020 has nine interceptions, the most uh, you know of linebackers. You know in, in that time frame, the guy is is such a ball hawk. But six sacks, so they put pressure on Stafford, who threw those two interceptions as well. So you're right. This was another one where the Eagles defense we talked about being so tough last night. When you, 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 you know, that offense is going to be more of a running attack than passing, but you expect more explosiveness out of the Cincinnati offense and they're not there yet, but they got to win still without that. And that's what they want to do. While you said Philly is, you know, kind of that, that crock pot, set it and forget it. You know, Cincinnati's got some building to do to get back to where they were. And they've done it in the past. They've done it in the last few years. So let's see if they can do it again. So. Quickly after last night, Miami, San Francisco, Philly are your last three unbeaten teams. Game changed on a dime when Tutu Atwell was ruled out of bounds. I thought he was in, but it doesn't matter what I think. Coming up next, we'll see what the polls think of the new shakeups in college football after an exciting weekend slate. Next on Gojo and Golic. Brought to you by Wrangler. Jeans, shirts, and jackets made for the ride of life. Be ready for those cooler days and longer nights and styles that keep you warm and keep you comfortable, moving and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere, at work, out at night, playing a pickup game with friends, or at home watching the game on TV. They're that comfortable and that durable. And there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion. Casual tees, snaps and button-ups, or layer them together for a little bit of both. And don't forget the iconic Wrangler jackets. Mm. When the weather starts to chill and you need to venture out, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. Add some Wrangler to your getup with jeans, shirts, and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great. So you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use the promo code GOJO15. Wrangler, for the ride of life. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? 
Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, back here on Gojo and Golik. There's been a shakeup in the top five of the new college football rankings after a wild week four that featured six games between teams in the AP top 25. No results was more Notable than Ohio State going into South Bend. Sorry, guys. And getting a last-second victory against Notre Dame. Buckeyes moving up two spots to number four. You see Georgia, Michigan, Texas sticking at one, two, three. Florida State dropping to five after the OT win over Clemson. Penn State moving to six. Colorado falling out of the top five. I believe Iowa and UCLA joining them there. Go, Joe. Your takeaway here from the latest, greatest top 25, my dude. Well, you mentioned one of the most important feats as we all keep track of the drive to 325 going on. A decided step back oh, boy. for the Iowa Hawkeyes mm. and Penn State this week. Penn State allowed just 76 yards oh to this Iowa offense. And I understand we're going to focus on them, but the Penn State defense certainly deserves their flowers as well. As that dead quietly might be a result most worth paying attention to this weekend. We had a lot of other close results that we could certainly infer from, but as we go along this season, Deb, we're starting to get to the point now where more teams are getting into conference play. We saw this last week, six rank-ranked matchups, so we've gotten enough good on good for the most part to start to buy into that handful of teams up top that feel like they're capable of being playoff teams. And, Dad, as we walk into the upcoming season where we're going to deal with the expanded playoff, this is the perfect sampler platter for why so many people were clamoring for that. Because in a year where right now it doesn't feel like we've got one extremely dominant team that we can point to and say is heads and tails above everybody else, it feels as accessible for the playoff and the title as it has been in the last three or four, I mean, three, four, I mean, entire college football playoff era, but certainly in the last handful of years is we've either had a dominant Alabama team or a dominant Clemson in Alabama, and in the last few years, a dominant Georgia team. Yeah, listen, th this would be a great year if they went to 12 right now, right, of what we could get right now. One, to, And I know it's not the, the uh, committee, but the AP rankings, one is Georgia, 12 is Alabama, then fill in all the other teams in between. That, that's a pretty hefty crew. But, yeah, only two ranked ranked this week. You're doing one of them, Duke and Notre Dame. Uh, so it, it's it's a little less but than, than we had last week. But to your point, you're right. You start to kind of see where teams are going. And it, it, it reminds me, again, it's a shame in the Big Ten that Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State are all on the same side. I yeah. mean, that, 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 that is such a bummer. Uh, you know, it's always the hopes of, is there anybody that can, that can, you know, challenge, you know, and, and we thought, you know, uh, is, is it going to be Wisconsin and they've been, you know, they're three and one, but not, 
not coming out of the gates like we thought. So I'm I'm really interested in how far, because we keep saying Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, going to come down to that game. Where Penn State, they're the one team right now to me, Mike, that I'm wondering where they're going to fit in in handling all their their, their uh, jobs right now. But once they get to those big games, because that's, that's what you can do with those teams in the Big Ten is point to when they all play one another. Kind, kind of the same thing in the Pac-12, right? It still blows my mind. Um, as we have 27 undefeated teams left in Division One, and where the Pac-12 is in the rankings of when you start playing each other and knocking e- each other off. Uh, that The Penn State team, probably of all the other teams, is one of the most interesting to me, is if they can kind of put their wedge in between that Ohio State-Michigan matchup. Yeah, they're in an interesting – it's interesting to try and, like, tier the teams that we have yeah. right now yeah. and where Penn State would fall because I think if you're working down, right, at the top you've got Georgia and Michigan who really haven't played anyone to this point, really haven't wowed anyone at this point, but they bring back largely the same teams, more so Michigan than Georgia, but bring back teams that were – in the college football playoff last year, in Georgia's case, the back-to-back defending champ. And so despite a schedule that lines up for them to waltz back to the playoff, we really don't feel like we know much about the ceiling for either team yet. You look a little bit further down there, and you've got teams like Texas and Ohio State now that own marquee wins early in college football. I would throw Florida State in there as well, probably two of the best wins in the sport, beating LSU week one on that standalone game, and then beating Clemson, who, while unranked, still is an incredibly talented group, and winning in Death Valley is extremely hard. So you've got those teams sitting there next in that group. And then after that, you've got, like you mentioned, Penn State, who – with them, Michigan and Ohio State, we're kind of going to find out about them when they all play their round robin in uh, in November. And then the entire Pac-12. And I would say, Dad, right now for the Pac-12, Washington, Oregon, and USC feel like they're in one tier. Yeah. And then I've got to, even though they're the back-to-back Pac-12 defending champions, no cam rising still for yeah. Utah as we go further into the season becomes more and more of a worry about even what a tough, well-coached Kyle Whittingham team is going to be able to do against these other teams that are going out here and playing a brand of offensive football that is scorching the earth. Well, I mean, we, we know realistically anyway, Utah is going to live off their defense. I mean, really shutting down UCLA the way they did last week, but you would like a little more out of your offense. And, and it, it, if nothing else, it gave cam rising another week. Uh, to get ready before they really get into the serious play of the Pac-12. So that was a uh, – even though last week was, it was a good game with them in UCLA, was a 14-7 to defensive battle there. Uh, you know, then, then you kind of look at teams that, that have the loss but are still in it. Remember, Alabama and LSU's losses were out of conference. So obviously with a conference title still on the line, that they still are right where they want to be. Even though Notre Dame is not in a conference, their loss is to Ohio State, you know, a team that's sitting at number four right now. So Ohio, or Notre Dame fans will want Ohio State to keep winning, and then Notre Dame needs to take care of their business to still have a shot as well. So that's looking at some of the lowers try, trying to raise themselves to the uppers. But of, of the undefeated, I love Bill Conley over at ESPN puts out the undefeated rankings all the time. And he, he again, has Washington number one. And in yeah. two weeks, October 14th, I think it is, we're getting it. We're getting Washington and Oregon, which I don't know what the over is going to be on that game. We know it's going to be high. I don't know what the highest over has ever been in a college football game with, with two like blue bloods like this. But uh, that that's going to be a game. And, and again, we talk about when you start to knock each other off. But boy, what, what a battle that's shaping up to be. 
Yeah, I mean, if college game, that's the same weekend as Notre Dame USC. So there's going to be right. some barn burners, but I'd imagine that's going to be college game day. It yes. should be because that begins that stretch, Dad, where we talk about all these teams playing each other, potentially knocking each other off. Oregon is on the road at Washington that week, two weeks later on the road to play Utah, and then two weeks later home against USC. So we're going to get the round robin. Pretty much all their schedules line up like that, but it is nice to see. And we thought this weekend, at least I did, going into the Oregon and Colorado game, and Dan Lanning said as much. Like Dan Lanning after the game said, we knew we were going to get more eyeballs on us because of what Deion Sanders has done for the sport right now and the life that he's injected into the sport. And he's absolutely right. And I think the same thing is starting to happen for Washington just because they've been so overwhelming on offense right now. This is a team that's gone out there and blitzed people through the first few weeks of the season, even this weekend, on what felt like an off night going up against the Justin Wilcox defense and torching them the way that they did. There's a lot of respect that's going towards the Pac-12 in this year. And so yeah. I'm excited for all those teams to play because we're not really going to see that tested for Michigan and uh, Georgia until way later in the season. We're going to get answers a lot sooner. And I have a feeling if Washington or Oregon really asserts their dominance in a couple of these games, we're going to watch them potentially creep up into the top five and maybe flirt with that one spot. Listen, I, I agree between SEC, Big Ten, it's SEC, Big Ten and Washington, right? Uh, ACC, I mean, Florida State, and who, who maybe Duke. Listen, if Duke can keep going, you, you never know. But right now, if there's a one-loss Pac-12 team and a one-loss ACC team, I don't see any way the ACC overtakes the Pac-12 in having a spot in the, uh, in, in the committee's Final Four. I would say this, the ACC also really interesting, right? Because Florida State right now looks like your golden goose, but lurking there in the distance, you've got down in the teens. An undefeated North Carolina team that's hanging out there with one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Undefeated Duke, who's going to yep. have their shot this week at home hosting Notre Dame. And then undefeated 4-0 Miami, who has gotten no buzz nationally None. in the conversation None. despite an out-of-conference win against Texas A&M that didn't feel all that close. But Florida State, uh, it's still a team that looks like a playoff team, right? I don't know if I can say they look like a championship team. Yeah. Ugly game against Boston College. Could have lost had a former walk-on kicker not missed an easy field goal for Clemson in that game this past weekend down in Death Valley. And so I think that's a team that as we go forward here in conference play is going to have to reassert themselves yes. a little yep. bit more, but still firmly in the mix. A lot of interesting moving and shaking as we keep getting more information about this college football season. We'll get more information about some important injuries in the NFL next on Gojo and Golik. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
So the Chargers get into the win column finally in week three with a brain fart back and forth exciting game against the Vikings. But even when the Chargers win, they lose. Mike Williams tearing his ACL. He's going to be out for the season. Gojo, a huge blow here for the Chargers. However, there are some talented wideouts that will be stepping up to fill his shoes, which are quite large. Yeah, it just it's unfortunate and sad. Mike Williams has always been a guy that yeah. has played a little bit banged up. He's such a gifted athlete and can contort is almost the same as like Anthony Davis dad, where he's such a large gifted athlete yeah. and can contort his body in so many ways that unfortunately the risk of nicks and bumps pop up. This obviously supersedes that he'd been having a phenomenal game and a great season so far. Happy you got the payday back in 2022, but this Chargers offense, you know, you look at the effect overall, obviously devastated for the player, but for the Chargers offense overall, dad, I worry a lot less about them because right now it's the defense that's been the problem on that team. Oh, w without a doubt. I mean, especially in stopping the run. So that's why they need all the firepower they can get on the offensive side of the ball. And we've seen Herbert throw for, you know, a million yards early on in his career, uh, but they're not balanced enough. Uh, their, their defense at times has a tough time holding up. So losing any kind of weapon on the offensive side of the ball is going to be tough. And, and that's the team that we thought has been an underachieving team. The Raiders, who I just covered uh, in their loss to the Steelers, just just looked lost right now. It, it's somewhat amazing the, uh, the step back that they have taken. And the Denver Broncos just gave up 70. I mean, so they're, they're still when you're supposed to compartmentalize and put things away and move on to the next one. That's a tough one to do, to put it away. So we thought it was going to be the Chargers, if not not maybe challenging the Chiefs, but maybe have that chance to be a wild card if there was going to be one out of the AFC West. But th this is a major blow to that side of the ball, which is the side of the ball that needs to carry the team. Yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of what it feels like right now. Quentin Johnston, their rookie first-round pick, is there. Darius Davis, uh, his other classmate as well from TCU. Josh Palmer, like there's – a four body this receiver room yeah. and eventually going to get Austin Eckler back. Who's another really right. capable receiver out of that running back room. But yeah, dad overall for the chargers, it's probably as bad as you can feel coming off of a win for a team in the NFL this weekend. Right. I know the margins are close in this league. You never apologize for winning all the cliches that we hear, but between the continued decision-making from the head coach, Brandon Staley, the lack of production matching talent on defense. I mean, you had JC Jackson as a healthy scratch this weekend coming off the knee injury from last year, but one of your high paid corners, it just doesn't seem like this is something that is built for top-end success outside of the quarterback who just continues to put a flamethrower to defenses. Yeah, yeah, he really does. So it, it's it's a team that needs to take care of their business. Now, they're one of the – considered one of the teams more on, on, on the worst side. But, you know, you have you have the Raiders coming up, who I just mentioned, you know, and talked about not playing well. Then you have the Chiefs and, and – or the Cowboys and the Chiefs, which is a tough stretch. But then you have the Bears and the Jets – which are two teams that can get had. We haven't talked about the bad side of the NFL yet, and those are two teams that you talk about for it. Still kind of don't know what the Jets are doing at the quarterback position. Uh, but, you know, the Chargers, if they can take care of the business in those games that they should and maybe pull one off against the better teams, who knows where they can end up. But but like I said, it, it just took a, a real damning blow to lose Mike Williams. Yep, but you have the for good fortune of playing in a division that outside of you and the Chiefs right now really yeah. does yep. not look like there's going to be much of a fight put up by the bottom half 
of that division uh, as you get those games twice a year. Uh, let's keep moving it forward here, Emerson, and look towards the NFC South that also may have had a uh, injury that could change the course of a lot of this division. Yeah, f- yeah, for sure, Mike. Like when Saints quarterback Derek Carr, he was just lying face down on the grass at Lambeau Field on Sunday. It looked scary. It looked like it would be an extremely serious injury that he may have sustained. But 24 hours later, Dennis Allen giving us an update, and the outlook is a lot more positive here for Carr and the Saints. Well, Derek's got a sprained AC joint. Um, you know, we'll evaluate him as he goes throughout the week this week. Um, I think we, we, we dodged a bullet there in terms of anything of, of real, um, you know, significance. Um, I think we're kind of saying week to week, you know, but again, he felt better today than he did, you know, yesterday. So, uh, we're not we're not making any decisions today. We're not ruling anything out. Um, we'll see where he's at as the week goes on. All right, Mike. New Orleans did not move the ball too when Derek Carr was out. They looked like last year's team, which was like carried by a great defense and an offense that just could not score enough. Yeah, and, and you know you still have capable receivers in that room. Jameis Winston didn't come out and play bad objectively. No, he's no. a quarterback that you know can get it done. And boy, his value, as we talked about, you know, in recent weeks after the Jets injury about some quarterbacks you might probe for trade, New Orleans holding on to him, proving incredibly valuable, having been with that program for a while and Dennis Allen too, because daddy takes over a team like this is still an infinitely winnable division for them. Now, this injury for Derek Carr, I heard Dan Orlovsky talking about it. I know you're the master of shoulder injuries as a guy with plenty of hardware and scars to show for it, but this AC sprain is a pain tolerance injury, right? Yes. It's going to be yeah. what Derek Carr can go out there and weather. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there's obviously pain-killing shots if you want to go down that road of careful how much you numb up, but you can get rid of the pain in certain ways and how much you can deal with and how much it affects you mechanically as well. It's different for a D lineman for me to play with shoulder injuries if I want to stick a needle in something or do something of what I have to do to as, as, a, as opposed to a quarterback you know, in throwing a ball, if it's a throwing shoulder, even if it's not, it can still be obviously a painful thing. So there are differences there. But, you know, as you mentioned about Jamison, he came in and he did fine, but there's a reason they went out and got Derek Carr and didn't stay with Jameis Winston, right? I mean, there's a reason for that. And you have Olave, you have Thomas, you've got uh, uh, Alvin Kamara coming back this week. So that should, again, bolster between the rushing attack and the passing attack, a nice little safety valve or or main uh, receiver for uh, Jameis at times as well. But like other teams we've talked about, it's a team that the defense is going to carry them in a division where – just like we were talking about last year, even though Tom Brady was involved, there's got to be a winner, right? <laughs> because there right. was a losing record that went to the playoffs there. You have three teams at 2-1. Let's count out Carolina. They're 0-3. They're not going anywhere. Tampa Bay, we didn't think they were, but you have to give them credit for still being 2-1, but you got to wonder where it's going to go now. So it's going to be between Atlanta and New Orleans, and I think it'll be New Orleans. But let's see what Jameis Winston can do with this team if, in fact, he has to play a significant amount of time before Carr gets back. Yeah, we talked to Aaron Schatz from FTN before the season, and he mentioned this could be a two-team playoff, two-playoff team division mm, just based on mm, the ease of the schedule mm, for the Falcons mm, and the mm, Saints. But mm, man, this feels mm. like watching a bar fight with a bunch of drunks right now, where you're just yeah. waiting to see who comes out on the other side. Yeah. It ain't cute. It ain't pretty. There doesn't seem to be a lot of tact to it, but somebody's got to do it because this is also the NFC in the expanded playoff era, and that's how we got to live. Last one here, Dad. Jimmy Garoppolo enters the concussion Ooh. protocol mm. this week. 
Uh, so some decisions going to be made there if they're going to go the veteran route for the backup on the roster or give Aiden O'Connell potentially a spin, who was the star in the preseason uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, listen, um, you know, Brian Hoyer, who's played for a number of teams and is that veteran you're talking about that's been around for a long, long time, was their head coach Josh McDaniels. He and Brian were together in New England. In all honesty, I, I'd probably be looking at the young kid, O'Connell, uh, to, to, to see what he can do, all depending if Garoppolo is going to be out, if he's going to, you know, the concussion, if you're going to be out a week or two, maybe you want the veteran in there to kind of keep the ship. Well, quite honestly, the ship's got to be getting a lot better. It, it, the ship's not running right right now. Uh, so, and Devontae Adams, boy, you could tell you heard his sound after the game. He is getting Really, really frustrated for being one of the best receivers in the league and that team just not playing well. So that it will be an interesting decision if, in fact, Jimmy G is out, is do you go with the veteran Brian Hoyer who knows the system like the back of his hand or do you see what the young guy can do? Yeah, you talk about coaches that are certainly on the hot seat. Josh McDaniels got to yeah. feel like he's in that mix because the situation's grown frustrating. Devontae Adams has like 175 yards in a game where it felt like he was the only one they could count on there. None of recreating the Patriots in Sin City seems to have gone the way that anyone wanted. Mm -hmm. Shocking, considering we've watched Patriot assistants for years try and recreate Bill's magic out there. He's tried to do it here with even more personnel and players, but to no real avail right now. That seems like another one, unfortunately. This current Raiders regime does not seem like the one that's going to deliver them any sort of promise. Coming up next, are they, though, the most hopeless team in the NFL? Abandon all hope. He who enter this conversation of 0-3 teams next. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Welcome back to a Tuesday edition of Gojo and Golik. Let me tell you what, the stamp of death going 0-3, starting 0-3 in NFL history. Last team to do that and make the postseason, 2018 Houston Texans. No team has made the playoffs after an 0-3 start since the league expanded to a 17-game regular season. Well, that's a long time. That's like three years. And since 1979, ah. six teams have overcome an 0-3 start to make the postseason. So I was just doing some serious, serious research, and I believe in this span, it's about 356 teams that have started 0-3 here, Gojo, and six making the postseason. There's what, like four now left? Four. Bengals yep. almost became five last night. Which one is in the most hopeless situation? What do you think? 
Yeah, talking about a one of these things is not like the other when you looked at the Bengals and this grouping yeah. of teams that were almost defeated. As we sit here now with the Bears, Vikings, Broncos, and Panthers, dead all at different junctures of their team life cycle, all at different places in their team building. I think the answer overwhelmingly pretty easily is the Denver Broncos here just because of the situation they're in with their quarterback that still is financially hamstringing them going forward and plenty of other places on that roster that they need to fill. Everybody else here, when you look at the Minnesota Vikings that are coming up towards the end of what seems to be the Kirk Cousins era there, his contract expires in the spring, doesn't seem like he's going to be their quarterback next year. The Panthers just getting started with the rookie quarterback. The Chicago Bears able to get out and change that quarterback, even though I don't think he's fully the problem there with that organization. The Denver Broncos just feel a little bit more landlocked in their hell right now. And that's not even to say that Russell Wilson has been the biggest problem with this team because he was not this last weekend. No, he does. He doesn't seem to be the biggest problem. But you, like you said, they're they're locked in there money wise. They're in the they're in the toughest division, right? I mean, yes. w- w- without question, the toughest division. So they have to overcome that. Man, I saw Garrett Bowles, their their offensive lineman, their tackle being interviewed. That that dude sounded so depressed of saying, "I've been here seven years and we haven't won." I mean, and just just not doing any winning. It it has been difficult. For that squad now, they changed ownership. They bring in a, a high-profile coach in Sean Payton, uh, who has a Super Bowl, you know, uh, to his name. And so he's going to have to get a little bit of time, obviously, to see what he can turn that team into. But you have that quarterback. And if that quarterback-coach relationship can start to get better, then we'll see for the hope there. Again, you push Carolina aside because they have a new quarterback and they're just building out there. And you're right about Minnesota. They're going to be starting the Kirk Cousins uh, uh, era or without Kirk Cousins because he's probably going to be gone after this year. So what direction do they go? I would imagine as they're sitting at 0-3 now, the fans are probably saying, hey, let's keep that going because there's a lot of quarterbacks out there to be had. And if we're not going to have Cousins, do we start over with a rookie? or get a veteran because their defense is still an issue there as well. And then the Chicago Bears, because that was the biggest talk in the offseason. Should they, you know, get another quarterback and trade Justin Fields? And I, I, and I think you were too in the camp of, no, I like Justin Fields. Let's see where he could go uh, with, with the talent around them. But that's the key. I, I think kind of like the Raiders, especially on defense, the people they have been bringing in just aren't working. It's, it's, they're not bringing in the right players. And you can almost say that in, not almost, you can say that in Chicago as well. And I know a lot of it will be put on the coach. And in this case, too, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback, Luke Getze and Justin Fields, in getting that working relationship going, because it doesn't seem uh, they are getting it, just like Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett, though last game was a little better against the Raiders, but they had been kind of struggling as well. So I, in, in, but in Chicago, if you want to go down the road of making a change, you can do that now because you don't have a lot of money invested in Justin Fields. If, in fact, you tried to make this year that year to see what was going to happen before you had to commit any further, and they didn't have to commit after this year. They could have done the fifth-year option, blah, 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 that whole thing, uh, but but they don't have to do that. Uh, so th- they're one, though. From a talent aspect, Mike, they may be in the worst shape of players they're bringing in that are just not getting it done. 
I mean, I think them and I mean, Denver on defense has been a talent hemorrhage over the last couple of years. And we saw that on display this last weekend in that game against Miami. Like, I guess for me, the hopeless conversation is all about what we've discussed here. It's do you have an escape hatch or not? Eric Sandstrom on our YouTube comments said he put up his Minnesota Vikings there. But as we've talked about, you've got young, incredibly talented players on offense, a head coach in Kevin O'Connell who was able to coach you into a winning season, a playoff season, your his first year at the helm, albeit one we knew was primed for regression. And defensively, you're also turning over some older talent there. It's a scheme adjust. We'll see. I mean, you know, on that side, Brian Flores adhering, you talk about live by the blitz, die by the blitz. That man chose to go out on it despite it getting absolutely torched by Justin Herbert in this last game. But again, Quarterback, we bring them up in this situation not because they're all the root of the problem. Kirk Cousins is on pace to throw for like 50 touchdowns and 6,000 yards this season. He's on pace for what would be one of the most historically great NFL quarterback seasons in league history. But it's the position that can change your fortunes and outlook as a fan as a franchise the most quickly. And so for them in Chicago, it feels like you've got that out for Carolina. You're still waiting to see, Hey, we got to put receivers that can get open around Bryce young. We've got to continue to build that roster around him. I just keep going back to Denver because there's so much to has to get fixed. And while Russell Wilson might not be the problem and could continue to play better dad as the season goes along, he's not at this point in his career in the style of offense that they're going to play a enough of a difference maker to lift the rest of what's a bad roster right now in Denver. So, so let's look at this, right? Carolina, the quarterback's not going anywhere. Denver uh, this year, uh, and for it seemed, would seem a bit, Denver obviously is not going anywhere. Chicago, he's going to be there this year, whether he finishes the season or not, he's going to be there. The best quarterback of the four teams we're talking about playing right now is Kirk Cousins, right? Yes. At what point, though, because he's going to be a free agent, you're not going to tag him. That, that's an incredibly big number. You're probably not going to sign him to a new deal. No. So at what point do you possibly trade him? I mean, you you have to think about if you let him go as a free agent, if you're not going to tag him, you get nothing for him. If you trade him, you can get something for him. Their next game is the Panthers. They should get a win there. Then it's the Chiefs, then it's the Bears, then it's the 49ers. So, you know, bad team, excellent team, bad team, excellent team. So I wonder at what point, remember, the trade deadline is usually what, beginning in November? Yep. At what point do you decide, okay, if depending on where our record is, do we say he's not going to be our quarterback of the future? Do we get something for him, even though he's the best of the four quarterbacks that we're talking about right now? Well, and I mean, we've heard everyone talk about, you know, a team like the Jets, we've heard people whisper for that since they're desperate coming off injury. But if you believe Aaron Rodgers is going to come back next yeah, year, Dad, yeah. I mean, maybe doing the one-season loner with Kirk Cousins could plug that gap. In the meantime, if you have trouble looking across the aisle at your all-world defense in New York and telling them, hey, this is going to be a burn season, we got to wait till next year, maybe you could make the most of that. Is there any other team that you look at and say could or should try and push the gas pedal and go and think about acquiring Kirk Cousins? Boy, that's a, that's a great question because all the teams that you know that that are in it are very secure at the quarterback position so i i don't i don't see that and if you're trading kirk you know is he is he just going to be a loner or whatever team he would go to would they decide that they want to sign him to a long-term deal again as i'm going through these teams even even older quarterbacks i i just don't know if they would go down down that road of doing it um yeah i i, I can't see and, and with the jets I get it if you don't want to give up assets for a guy that might be there just one year, 
So maybe saying that's a way, I'm sure it is a lot easier said than actually being done. But I'm just trying to think from Minnesota and a business side to try and get something for Cousins before he's not on that team anymore. But uh, that would that would be interesting to see where he may go. It would have to be, I would imagine, with what we would consider a non-contender at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, and you're right in that it's probably going to take a little more, a little while longer in the yeah. season to jostle this loose. The one that gets interesting to me, and it would just be more funny in the poetic term because it would be opening at the close here. What if things continue to go sideways in Washington for Sam Howell? Oh, you bring him, wow. on, you bring him on back home. New regime. Everyone's changed out there. It's a different world here. You get him in that offense with Eric Bieniemy, and now all of a sudden, see what's cooking here. I'm. I, I don't want to throw it. I know they've. They've gone in. They've tried to build this around Sam Howell right now, but that would be the funniest possible outcome, which makes it the one that I am rooting for now is Kirk Cousins and the reunion yeah. with the Washington Commanders. <laughs> yeah, sure you are. Yeah, well, why not? Just kind of throw them. That's what we like to see. It gives us more stuff to talk about. Amen. Speaking of stuff to talk about, plenty to still get to in the NFL weekend next here on Gojo and Go With. It.